Hi, and welcome to another AAP Practice Life podcast. I'm Dr. Mike Pownall, and today we're going to talk about group practices, sharing on call rather with other practices just to, um, I guess, the main reason is everybody better quality of life. I'm joined by three people who have worked or are in the midst of working with uh, group practices or group on call with other practices. I am joined by Dr. B.B. Freer of North Carolina, Dr. Amy Bennett of Ontario, Canada, and Dr. Raquel Lindroth of Montana. Bibi, let's start with you. Tell us about yourself and uh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. And uh, I have been here in Triant, North Carolina for almost 30 years. I built a big practice and then left it in 2006. And I've been solo, I hired a, an associate a year and a half ago. And then January 1st, I joined forces with another solo practitioner. But we still share on call with two other solo practitioners. That sort of brings you up to date in my status. Excellent. So I look forward to understanding how you got working with these other solo practitioners in particular. Uh, Amy, tell us about yourself and uh, and your situation. Yeah, so I have been working at um, a mixed animal practice since 2013, where I have been practicing solely equine. So my story is interesting because when I first started, it was a nice large call group with large animal vets. So I think when I first started, I was something like one in seven. And by the time last year, when I went on return to leave, it was down to um, 50% on call because our mixed animal practice is turning into a, a bovine specific, equine specific, and small animal specific clinic. So I had to kind of figure out a way and think outside the box to have some, some sort of quality of life and still be able to practice equine medicine. So that's when um, I reached out to some local practices and we formed an on-call sharing group between three practices. Excellent. Thanks. Looking forward to hearing more about that too. And finally, Raquel, tell us about your experiences with uh, shared on-call. Well, thank you for the invitation. And my experience has been historical. I had been in the Fort Collins area and in a solo equine practice that I had built um, in the 2000s, about 2000. And having been on call myself for almost a decade. I was um, rare the load. Motivating factors for me were starting a family and recognizing that I wanted to reduce my on-call to about 25%. So approached three other practices, three other equine practitioners in the area, and we did launch a, a cooperative and all improved our quality of life. Interestingly enough, in in the story that I get to tell, that became an attractive selling point uh, for an ambulatory practice when I, I sold the practice in 2012 to a, an incoming practitioner, and that became a very attractive selling point for the practice. Presently, I'm now in Montana, and and I practice part-time. I do relief work, and so there is support that I provide to colleagues in the area as a relief veterinarian, um, and I teach veterinary students at Montana State University. So Excellent. Well, quite a diverse group from all across the country. Let me go back to you, Bibi, and just, you know, you, you started a large practice, you came down solo, and then you started to sort of see like you're uh, growing again. But before you, your associate joined, did you still have this on-call group? And, and what led you to want to have a shared on-call group? You know, when I when I left the big practice that was really honestly about to kill me, 
the minute the word got out in the community that I was going to be solo again, two of my colleagues called me and asked me if I would be willing to share 50% call with them. And, and so I asked each one, can we do, you know, three <laughs> every third weekend? And they were excited about that. So we started sharing every third weekend. One of those practitioners has dropped out of the rotation. She's still a friend, it's, but she dropped out of the rotation. And the other one retired and has since passed away. But that was working so well. Other solo practitioners asked to be in the group. So now we have, uh, well, let's, let me say a year ago, it was myself, my associate, and then three other practitioners. And so we were only on call every fifth weekend. And, you know, like Rachel was saying, it was almost a, when I meet new clients and explain to them that I'm sharing emergency with other solo practitioners, uh, instead of trying to make it a negative thing, I say, this means that if I go out of town or I go out to dinner with my husband in the same car, which they laugh at, but really for 10 years, we went to dinner in separate cars so I could, you know, respond to emergencies. Um, I go, there's always somebody on the other end of the phone and always somebody ready to come help you and your horse. And so it really makes the clients happy knowing that there's somebody available to help them. And so at any rate, it it just grew from the three of us and has morphed into the five. I have to admit, it wasn't my idea. It was my colleague's idea. But I ended up being the one that does the on-call schedule and all of that stuff. So. So let's talk about how these are set up because this is, I think, people are listening in. They're probably really interested. Like, just let's talk about the the nuts and bolts of this. And let's start with you, Amy. Maybe explain your setup and how how you deal with all of this. Yeah. So one of the practices office manager volunteered to to come up with a schedule, and so there's practices. So we are on a, a three practice rotation where each practice has to veterinarians. So it does work out to be about one in six, which is amazing, but our practice is responsible for one in three. So if for whatever reason you or your associate are unable to do that week, that's that's your responsibility to figure that out between the two of you. Um, and so we have a, a central call-in system where clients will call their regular veterinarian that then gets forwarded to the on-call center then we'll contact the on-call veterinarian. We do it so the, the regular veterinarian does all the follow-up after. And we made uh, a rule among the practices that records and invoices should be in by 9 a.m. the following morning. You know, if there's any case that, that requires follow-up, a phone call or, or a text message or something that we can relay the information what's going on goes out pretty much first thing in the morning so you can go see and deal with that client the day of. Yeah, that's how it's been working. And so far, it's been working pretty well for us. So I'll ask you and I'll ask the other two, BB and Raquel, as well. Is like, do you bill the client or do you bill the other practice? We bill the other practice and in hopes of keeping things as simple as possible that way. Yeah. And so the two questions that come to me from that is, mm-hmm. um, one, how do you know if this person that's calling up saying that their client practice A are actually clients of practice A, and and, and yeah. you know from that, how do you know um, if they are a good client? Do they owe 
five thousand dollars for the last three years, for example. I'm exaggerating, but there are people like that. Yeah, so that that is a challenge that um, we've all discussed about and tried to discuss what the what the legalities of that is when it comes to sharing client information and and issues like that. And we did look into that a bit, and the, the provincial regulations on our end stated if we're sharing on call with each other, we can share things that will help with the cases. We have a list of up-to-date clients is how we've worded it. And so the on-call center center scrolls through that to ensure that they're a client of the practice. And then what happens if, let's say, you're billing something and you charge uh, more than, let's say, the other practice would for a service? I guess they're going to have to take a bit of a hit on it if they're going to charge their usual fee. Have you come across that? Any kind of price differentials? We haven't really had that issue yet, but how it has been coming across is the practice will bill us and then we have the the lump sum due that goes to the client. So we don't necessarily see the breakdown. Of course, they can if they want to, but we were just kind of hoping that so it wouldn't, the issue wouldn't come up, oh, I don't want that vet out of charge more than they might, my vet or another vet would. We haven't run into any issues like that, but I do you think there will be times when we will have to take a hit or vice versa on certain certain sure. procedures? Sure. Yeah. Sure. Okay, great. And Raquel, how did your system work when you had that shared on call group? Well, I think that um, as we got started up, we recognized that it started over a strong cup of coffee, honestly, and took time to evolve. So it was the kind of thing where there were uh, four of us as individual practice owner who shared a common interest in sharing call. And I would say it took a good year for us. To, well, we had the relations. And I think the, the relations are very important because I think the two key components are trust, like having the trust between uh, your colleagues and just really solid communication. So in our situation, as we started we were very, very flexible in the first year of developing this. Um, and then after about a year, once we started to realize it was benefiting all of us, we we went through more formalities of forming the logistics of the, the cooperative. So when we looked at billing, we chose, for example, to each, each bill individually as uh, independent businesses because we collected at the time of service. So in that situation, we we had discussions among the businesses to be kind of in alignment, but we wanted to be careful not to enter into price fixing. But we did collect at the time of service. And initially, we always, as a client call came in, we always identified who the primary provider of service was. We kind of identified, um, you know, for example, oh, Dr. Amy Bennett would be the the primary provider of service. So we Mm -hmm. um, would always ensure, I think the most critical thing is we'd always ensure that that client was returned to that provider of service. Mm -hmm. And initially, we only would see clients that were routine clients of the business. We kind of designated a practice area of 30 miles, for example, a a practice radius. We stayed flexible. If there was a new client, if there was a client outside of the area, or if we had to travel, we would surely try to accommodate as we could. Um, But I think for us, the, the success was truly in, as we treated the client, it was 
restored to the regular provider of service, communications, medical records, everything, you know, were were done in a timely way with, you know, within the the next business day if we could. And it really for us it was the communications and we had regular meetings um at least twice a month to kind of um talk about clients, talk about how it was working and some things we had to be accountable for too. It, we all benefited greatly, and it actually kind of brought more collegiality between all of us, and we decided it expanded from just having meetings about our emergency cooperative to just everything from sharing cases to business decision-making, and it, it, it brought a lot of energy for all of us. Interesting. That's cool. How about you, Bibi? How does, how does your setup work with the uh, other practices? Ours is um, similar in that we have a general person's agreement that we must send the client and the case back to the primary care provider on the next business day. If I see something on a Saturday afternoon, then first thing Monday morning, I call the regular care provider. I send out an email to our group kind of early November and ask them to send me dates that they know of for the next year that they don't want to be on the Do you know that you're having a family reunion or a wedding or, you know, one of us, he's working for South Carolina State Veterinarian now, but when he was, uh, he liked to mounted shooting, you know, send me dates for your mounted shootings, your horse shows, whatever, and I'll, you know, won't put you on call those weekends. And then I would do the schedule. And with five of us, it's, it's really easy with four other friends that you're sharing duty with, if you if something comes up and you can't do your duty weekend, there's always somebody that'll trade with you. Right. The clients will trade back and forth. I mean, occasionally, it, we we don't bill each other. We just bill the clients, and we all have different fee schedules. I, I tell one of my colleagues that we share emergency with that she needs fee therapy. I mean, I, I don't know how she pays for her truck with she <laughs> but it I don't know we all have our loyal client base and it and then there are a few clients that'll float around and we don't worry about it it's worked since 2006 excellent what has been the biggest surprise of doing this when you think back on you know we've been doing it for 13 years now what makes you go wow I never expected that to happen well, I think everybody's always uh, afraid that they're going to lose clients. And and I think that all of our clients have built because of this relationship. And, and I think you lose a lot less clients because you're burnt out and grumpy hmm. and tired than you do if you're rested and, and happy. That I think that I was may have been worried about that in the beginning, but I would encourage anybody to to do this and improve their life. That's interesting. How about you, Amy? I was surprised over the increased sense of collegiality. One example would be we had one of my clients had a pretty bad dystocia that came in at 6 a.m. And one of the other practices on call that, you know, alerted me because it was the beginning of the day. And it ended up being three of us that's working our butt off to everything we can for the horse and for the client. And afterwards, the client just broke down in tears thanking us and just saying that it was incredible to three, yeah, three vets and different practices working together for the common good of the horse. Yeah, it was a really good feeling. And it was just something that I, I wouldn't have experienced. I would have been stuck on my own and 
this is a really amazing experience. So that, that caught me off guard and surprised me. And, and it was just a, a good example of, of what a good idea it is to work together for the common good. Yeah. How about yourself, Raquel? I agree with Amy and recognize that the collegiality was a welcome surprise. And with that, one of my concerns going in was just the, the revenue. And if I were to reduce my on-call time to 25%, would that affect the um, financial contribution from emergency services? And what surprised me is actually the profitability for all of us increased for emergency because as we pulled, we were operating more efficiently. So if it makes sense, instead of being on call every weekend of the month, I would be on call one weekend of the month, but had more calls. And as mm. the client, does that make sense? So it was, I, and I would, I would much rather be busy one weekend of the month and really hitting it hard and being busy. But for all of us, all of us recognized that the revenue generated by emergencies increased. Well, I can say specifically for my business, but we also uh, built each other up in other ways. Again, in speaking towards the collegiality, we would refer to each other. So if one of us had a special interest, say one of the veterinarians did acupuncture, and I would quickly refer a client to her for acupuncture, or another veterinarian might refer a a special uh, reproductive case to me because that was my interest. And the clients, we all improved our practice and clients were really attractive. They were attracted to the cooperative. I think it surprised us all because it, it generated a strong profitability on the emergency side, but even just improved services and, and clients, they really enjoyed seeing us take a break and uh, mm-hmm. and they they were attracted to that as well. So Good. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I would, I would so, uh, high five on, on all that. Yes, that's been our experience. So the question I have then, I mean, we've been, you know, it's really praising it, but have there been any challenges with it? Um, let's start with you, BB. What are things that are sort of like, oh, this isn't working out as much as I thought for? That's a hard question because I really, I can't think of any challenges. <laughs> it's all been so good. And I so agree with Amy and, Raquel, that it's improved the collegiality, and we even we get together socially. We call each other and talk about cases, and and then, like I said, occasionally a client will float from practice to practice. But it's not that is not in any way been a deterrent for any of us. Right. How about you, Amy? Any challenges? I would say it has definitely increased our radius that we're driving. Yeah. So, yeah, so it does make for a lot more driving on the weekends on call. But when it's, you know, one weekend in six, it doesn't feel as bad that way. Um, And we we also just have like an unwritten rule that let's say we're slammed. We have three or four colleagues lined up and then something truly urgent does come in. We don't have anyone official and backup on call, but we are all, we'll check our phones throughout the weekend if someone is really slammed. We haven't come across that yet. But I'm sure, you know, when you have a pool of five other vets to choose from, someone would probably be available to help. So that begs the next question. As you said, your your radius has gotten bigger. Have any clients complained because of the time it takes to get to a call? We haven't had any complaint yet about it, but we've had some complaint over the fear of it taking a long time. Um, right, yeah. It, it did cause some anxiety at the beginning with certain clients, for sure. Right, right. How about you, Raquel? Any challenges with your group? We were able to work through challenges, and 
that's where, as we built the relations as colleagues, for example, I can remember one time there was another veterinarian who covered a, a neurologic emergency for a regular client of mine and then decided to uh, prescribe a prescription medicine long-term. It was to treat EPM. And so they did a long-term prescription. And when we came back as the group, we recognized that that should be transferred you know, to the regular provider of service for the long-term refills of the prescription. Does that make sense? So it was the mm-hmm. kind of thing where when when something came up that it was like, oh, if this is going to, you know, again, it was important to identify the regular provider of service and restore that client back for, and that could mean whether it was for continued follow-up care, for prescription medication, for even, we even had to realize for the emergency, coverage was to address the emergency and that, you know, if a client said, hey, by the way, while you're here, could you do the pregnancy check on my mare or would you mind doing a vaccination? We would just, again, restore that client back for routine services to the regular provider service. It actually improved the the business relation and the trust once we had to kind of work through those expectations. We were able to be accountable to each other and kind of work through that, adjust. It improved the business relation and the trust. So, so it was a good challenge. Yeah, sounds like it. So last question I have uh, uh, is what would you do different? I mean, if you're starting it over, what have you learned that if you're, you know, I don't think any one of you are saying never do this. In fact, you're very enthusiastic about the value, but if you were starting all over again, what would you do differently? Let's start with you, baby. Oh, I knew you were going to make me go first. Uh, <laughs> first. <laughs> um, you were doing the, this, this group practice, shared all called the longest. I think you'd have the most experience. I think, uh, actually, thinking back, I, I could have an- answered the challenge. We did have one challenge, and maybe that could bring me to what I would be different, is one of the, the, the one veterinarian that, uh, dropped out of our rotation. She had a serious injury, and we covered her duty, not expecting her to return the favor for almost eight months. And then when I called her and said, uh, "We'll continue to help you if you still need help, but could you maybe make it up later?" Because she was pretty much healed, and and that's when she backed out. I, I guess I would, if I go over, I would make some kind of a plan I, I hate to call it a policy but some kind of a plan Almost if somebody, a yeah if somebody got hurt and and she's she and I are still friends so I guess if I had something to think over I would think ahead about a possibility of injuries and what we're gonna do for each other right. for that right. how, yeah that's interesting how about you Amy we're still fairly fresh in this, so I, I it's hard to say what I would do over other than, you know, the first month or two, there were just a few more questions and answers at the beginning. So I probably would have um, liked to sit down more and hammer out actual, I guess, policies or have it written down so we're all on the same page. Um, we just had kind mm-hmm. of informal discussions about it. So maybe just something more concrete um, before starting it. And, and finally, uh, yourself, Raquel, what would you have done differently or? I think it's simple. I wouldn't have waited 10 years. <laughs> yep, I had I had reached a place of of burnout and I just 
I wish we had brought this together sooner and it, yep, you don't have to practice as the Lone Ranger. Right. But I think what was, what was critical is as we developed, it, it took flexibility. It took a lot of flexibility to feel it out. And, um, and then we did develop some policies and still had to remain flexible. And I think that for the longevity of it, so I had participated in the cooperative five years before I sold my business. There were other practitioners in Colorado who had spoken into how we formed, and they had been doing it for 30 years. And I think that members change, and that requires some flexibility. So mm-hmm. staying open to like when a practice, um, if a new associate comes in or if a new colleague comes into the area. I mean, I think you have to be discerning, right? You have to make sure that they are practicing good medicine and will work well into the cooperative. But I think I would have started earlier. And I think being flexible about how you evolve as an emergency cooperative is important. But I would have done it much sooner if, if I had right. if I had to do it right. again. <laughs> Interesting. Well. This has been a fascinating conversation. I really appreciate the three of you uh, joining us this evening. I, I, I've learned a lot, and I'm sure people listening in will learn a lot. And it sounds like those single practitioners or a small practice that are thinking of joining up with other people, that this is like you got the right team in place and a good plan and a good amount of trust, that this is a win-win for everybody, including our clients. So thank you all very much. Thank you. Thanks for asking me. It was fun. Yeah, thank you. That was great.